This episode of Armchair Explorer is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. And epic journeys is what we're all about. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're standing on top of this cliff and all you can see in every direction, as far as your eyes will take you, is green forest with rain clouds over in the distance and rain falling on patches of the forest and winding rivers and below you eagles and macaws flying and floating on the thermals. It's pretty amazing. Today we're going to the Amazon, but if you think you know what to expect, then prepare to be surprised. We'll be paddling through flooded forests, swimming with piranhas, climbing mountains, and exploring hidden parts of the forest, which are typically only seen by indigenous eyes. Because today we'll be traveling under the stewardship of the Mundurucu people with a man named Saro as our guide. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to Armchair Explorer, where the world's greatest adventurers tell their best stories from the road. My name's Aaron Miller, I'm a travel writer and your host, and today we have something special for you. We do lots of different kinds of stories on this show. Some are world record feats and dangerous expeditions, some are explorations about culture, wildlife, philosophy, and some are just downright silly and fun. But this one is special because it's a trip you can actually do. You don't have to be a professional explorer or extreme adventurer. You don't need to quit your job or abandon your life to do it. You can literally book it on the internet and head out to the Amazon on your next holiday and you'll be supporting an indigenous run tour company if you do. We have zero affiliation with them whatsoever. I simply love this story. I love what they do. And I thought it'd be cool to do a story that is within reach of mere mortals like me and you. It's on my bucket list. I think after you listen to this, it's going to be on your bucket list too. More details at the end and in the show notes. Anyway, on with our show. Today's guest is the incredibly talented travel writer and photographer, Alex Robinson. He's a fellow Brit like me, but he's traveled and worked all over the world from Taiwan to Portugal to Peru. He's written over 20 books and taken cover shots for National Geographic, Sunday Times Travel, and loads, loads more. He is also, as you'll hear, a ridiculous donkulously beautiful writer. I'm very jealous of him. You can find his work on Instagram at Alex Robinson Photography or on Twitter slash X at Alex Rob Photo. And you can find me on Instagram at Armchair Explorer Podcast and armchair-explorer.com. Come and hang out. If you want any travel tips or inspiration, just drop me a line. Also, shout out to Wanderlust off the page who turned me on to Alex and this incredible story. 
Wanderlust Off The Page is a podcast I actually host and produce for Wanderlust magazine. So check it out for more travel inspiration. The link is in the show notes. You're going to like that show. But don't worry about that right now because it's time to head out into the Amazon. The Amazon is more than a forest and a river, Alex writes. It is a vast wild of astonishing landscapes. He had visited several times before, but felt like he'd only scratched the surface, only seen a side that's convenient and easy to reach. But then, through a chance encounter, everything changed. The inspiration is really this guy, Saru, who's a Munduruku indigenous person. Very few people in the world know the Amazon better than he does. I mean, he's spent the first 14 years of his life there, and now he's in his 50s. He's lived there all his life. Saro lives in northern Brazil, where the Mundurucu have existed for centuries. According to oral tradition, the name Mundurucu was actually given by one of their former enemies. It means red ants, a name which alluded to the fearsome warrior tactics of the Mundurucu. Historically, they were a farming, hunting, fishing and gathering culture. And while many Mundurucu still practice those traditional ways of life, others have sought more modern means of making a living. But Saro envisaged a way to bridge both worlds. It was always his dream since I met him to have his own venture. He says, you know, all the lodges and stuff around Manaus, all the companies all throughout the Amazon, they're run by people who are not indigenous. Indigenous people might work there. Indigenous people might even be partners in some of the ventures done with the NGOs. But there's nothing where the indigenous people are saying, okay, this is our home, come and have a look. And this is a guy who literally spent the first 14 years of his life walking barefoot, swimming in the rivers, hunting. And he only came to the city to try and find work. And that's when he started studying and he learned Portuguese properly and he learned English. I met Saro some years ago now. And at that stage, he was in a lodge right next to Manaus City in Brazil. I went out with him on a jungle walk and we just got on really well together and we kept in touch. And then he approached me and told me that he'd set up on his own. He said, look, you've just got to come and see the real stuff because most people who come to the Amazon don't see the real stuff, even if they think they have done. Let me show you the stuff that indigenous people know about. It's a different world. It's like the Garden of Eden. And what could I do? You know, I wasn't going to say no to that. Alex's mother actually had cancer when they first met. And when Saro found out, he gave him an oil made from forest plants and seeds to take home. And she actually did go into remission, though Alex can't say, of course, whether or not it was Saro's traditional medicine that did it. But it's a good example of why the Amazon is, in many ways, a Garden of Eden. The Amazon is like the medicine cabinet of the world. About a quarter of all prescription drugs derive from ingredients found in rainforests, yet we've hardly even scratched the surface of its potential. And the keepers of this medicinal knowledge are the indigenous tribes like the Munduruku who have lived here for thousands of years. To see the forest through their eyes was a chance too good to miss. So just a few months later, Alex arrived in Brazil. I remember getting off the plane in Manaus before this expedition, and there he was. He looked like he hadn't aged a day, and it had been about a decade. He was still like kind of this fit-looking guy. 
you know, you can imagine him walking up a mountain without breaking a sweat. He still had the same big, broad, infectious smile and, you know, light in his eyes. And it was great, as if I'd only seen him, you know, yesterday. And we drove straight out to his home, which is about two hours out of Manaus in a place called Novo Airão, and had dinner with his family. And then the rest of the people came out the next day, went and met them in the airport, and then went out on the boat. And we were away. He goes straight out of his house, five minutes down to the water. The boat was there. And within half an hour, you are in wilderness, which is greater wilderness than there is in Europe already, you know, that close. So it was amazing. Saro's home is nestled deep in one of the largest protected areas of Brazil. Jao National Park, about 124 miles northwest of Manaus, is the third largest park of intact rainforest in the world. It's about 9,000 square miles. And all of it is brimming with life. Bordered by the Rio Negro, the biodiversity is staggering. More than 400 species of plants, 263 types of fish, waterfalls, beaches, ancient growth forests, the largest lake in Amazonia, and no miners, no illegal loggers, just wildness as far as the eye can see. It's a mistake to think of the Amazon as a river or a forest. That came clear to me on this trip. I kind of knew that before. I've been around it a bit, but this really you know, brought it home to me. The Amazon is about half the size of the United States. Now, if you think half of the United States was covered with forest, that doesn't get away from the fact that there's a huge variety of landscapes in that forested landscape. Just think of the Grand Canyon with forest around it. Think of the Colorado River. Think of those volcanoes up in Washington State. So people think of the Amazon as this jungle with a big river, and it is not. It's a huge, barely explored landscape, which is forested, which is tropical. There are tabletop mountains there, and savannas there as well, and huge lakes, and rivers of every color you can imagine, including rivers as clear as the air is in the high mountains. So you're going into another world. You're not just going into the jungle. If you go into bits of the Amazon in Peru, or Bolivia, or Ecuador. Yes, you're going into the jungle. Brazil is on a different scale. Saro's company is named Araca Expeditions after the Cerro de Araca, one of the largest and most ancient mountains in the tropical world. Rising above the clouds, Araca's tabletop plateau is a place, as Saro describes it, which feels like the world before humans walked the earth. There are mountains you would not believe, Saro said to him, where even we, native Amazonians, rarely go. Tabletop mountains that are covered in orchids and where giant waterfalls drop, pause in pools and fall again in wisps and fronds. That is where they were headed. The beginning of the cruise is as relaxing as it gets. Saro's boat's really nice. Big old classic Amazon riverboat. So if the Mississippi has its paddle steamers, the Amazon has these old wooden double-decker boats with these beautiful mahogany-lined cabins, public areas where you can go and read a book. You're just lying in a hammock with this astonishing beauty going past you very slowly as you head up the river. 
the thunder clouds overhead mounting, bursting with rain, sometimes in the distance, sometimes right above you, speckling the surface of this black river as far as you can see, passing by, rainbows everywhere, the yellow sun sinking over the forest, scarlet macaws flying out, bubblegum pink river dolphins surfacing in front of you. There's always something to see, and you're sitting and seeing it in utter comfort. It's not hot because you're in the middle of a big river. It's very pleasantly warm, like being on the beach in late summer in the Mediterranean. It's that kind of temperature. So these classic old riverboats are the only way to travel, in my view. And they've been using them for 20, 30, 40 years. Old timber boats with beautiful mahogany cabins, wonderful decks, little kitchen and dining area at the back. And you can just fish off the back deck as well. Fabulous. The only fish Alex managed to catch were piranhas. Just dangle a piece of meat on a hook, he said, and you'll pull one up. And they ate them too, with palm nut butter and tart tukupi juice, feasting as the sun sank behind the forested horizon, cheersing with a caipirinha or two. And despite the sharp teeth underwater, the river here was safe to swim. In the afternoons, he would jump in to cool off, treading water alongside Parada and the crocodile-like caiman. Just two days into their journey, and Alex already felt like he was in a different world. There is nothing like the feeling that you get in the Amazon. I've traveled in 60 plus countries. I've been to wildernesses all through Asia and North America. I've never been anywhere like the Amazon. That astonishing immensity of nature that you're surrounded by, the feeling that you get from that. And I've driven around the whole of Australia. I've been right into the middle of the outback. I've been all the way through those beautiful mountains in New Zealand. I've been to the Grand Canyon. I've been to the furthest reaches of Indonesia, all the way through Southeast Asia, into the Himalayas. I've never been anywhere like the Amazon because the immensity of living, thriving, fertile nature that you get there is like nowhere else. The rivers are not like rivers. It's like a flowing sea. You cannot see to the other side of the Rio Negro. And the Rio Negro is a tributary of the Amazon. And there was something else too, something which is often overlooked. Most people go to the Amazon region when the rivers, and the rivers are thousands and thousands of rivers, are at low water. That's not the best time to go. The best time to go is when the rivers are high, because then you can kayak or take a little boat right through the forest. So you're literally, it's like the Everglades or the bayous of Louisiana. You're going in these boats all the way into the depths of the forest. And that's when you see things like the giant river otters that we saw, which were just amazing. This episode of Armchair Explorer is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. And Pathfinder, that's a pretty cool name, isn't it? Because that's also what this show is all about. Exploring, getting off trail, having adventures, finding your own path and living life to the fullest. 
Sound like you? Yep, sounds like me too. Which is why I'm so excited to partner with Nissan. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has seven drive modes, available intelligent 4x4. It's got the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds. So go ahead and bring all that gear with you and lots more. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, a vehicle built for adventures everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If this episode has piqued your interest about the Amazon, then we have a bunch of other great episodes you might like. Check out Darcy Gector kayaking the entire length of the Amazon River and Ed Stafford walking it. Those two I would highly recommend. Check out the show notes or just scroll through our feed. And just a quick favor too, if you are enjoying this episode and if you like the show, please tell a friend about it. We are building a community of people who love exploring, love the outdoors and want to live life to the full. If that sounds like you or someone you know, or maybe someone that just needs an escape, spreading the word, posting a story, leaving a review is the best thing you can do to help us out. So thank you in advance and thanks for being here and listening to the show. Speaking of which, let's get back to those giant river otters. Imagine an otter as big as a man. They're slim and sleek, but these are big animals. They're not like your little otters that you see in rivers in Scotland. Now these are as long as a man, they can get up to seven foot long, tip to tail. You hear them before you see them, they poke their heads out of the water and utter this kind of call, and then swim up, take a good look at you, and then disappear back into the trees. It's astonishing, seeing them is astonishing. You know, they're so curious and friendly and enchanting, and so astonishingly rare. I mean, these are animals that have been hunted to the absolute brink of extinction. You're just coming across them in the wild. It's crazy. It's like seeing a tiger in Siberia or something. And the beauty of the flooded forest with all the strange calls of the birds and the insects and the stillness and silence when they're not calling, so silent you can hear a water drop into the rivers. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, the landscape changing all the time little lakes filled with giant lilies, small streams, larger rivers. It's like a whole causeway of water landscapes that you're going through. They woke each morning to the sound of bird calls and the wind rippling the treetops, seeing pink and gray dolphins and silvery fish splashing near the boat, catching glimpses of tapirs and monkeys nosing through the foliage. They would even occasionally pass small villages dotting the banks where indigenous families have lived for generations. You stay in the boat much of the time, but you also get out and visit some of the people. So the journey begins on the Rio Negro, which is a huge river. You know, it's like 10 miles wide where it starts. And then you go up two smaller rivers. And when you get into the first of those small rivers, that's when you stop off at some of the villages. 
In fact, Saro has friends in some of the villages that he picks up on the way to take up the mountain with us. So they come with you. So you go to these little villages, which are semi-indigenous. So you're talking about indigenous people who've uh, um, who've stuck with their culture and way of life largely, but uh, you know are very aware of the outside world, and they have schools and so on and so forth. So they're semi-integrated into Brazilian society, but still indigenous. In one of the villages, they met one of Saro's friends, Jose, who took them into his home and introduced them to his family. And then he swung a bag over his shoulder and announced that he would be joining them, helping to guide them further into the land he knew so well. And this is really magical because Saro lets things happen. They're always surprises. So we didn't expect to be stopping in the village and there to be getting another guide. But that's what we did. And that's part of the magic of the whole experience. He's very gentle. The way Saro does things is very gentle. He allows you to fall under the spell of the forest and under the spell of the people by gradually introducing things which perhaps you don't know are going to happen. And it's always in the gentlest, the most enchanting way. Stopping at this village was such a magical experience. All the kids coming out and saying hello and then going and seeing how people lived and then the guy being so friendly and then he comes with us. And this, of course, has all been planned carefully beforehand, but the way it happens, it feels so natural and so organic. It's, it's really special. They drifted past hamlets, Alex writes, with huts huddled around white and blue Portuguese churches. Children splashed and laughed in the shallows, and old men balanced like ballet dancers on skateboard-wide dugout canoes as they cast their nets over the water. And then, after four days on the river, they finally reached the base of Mount Araca, the summit and apex, literally and symbolically, of their journey. Araka is the culmination of this trip, though you don't have to do it. You can just stay in the boat while other people do it. That's another option. But we were going to do it. There's no way we were going to do this trip without getting up that mountain. You leave the big boat, you get in a launch, and you go up this little Igarape, as they're called, which is a small river, the color of tea without milk in it. Really beautiful, white sand beaches fringing it all the way, and you're going up river in the little launch probably for four or five hours. You get off the boat on a beach and there's a little trail which has been cut through the trees by the indigenous people. You get to the start of this trail and that's where you group, you know, you you cut down a sapling to use as a walking stick and then you just head off right up into the forest. And then it feels quite hot and quite humid. Flowers everywhere, these wonderful smells of the forest everywhere, the cleanest air maybe in the world outside the poles and you're trekking following the river as it becomes a tiny stream and just going up towards the flanks of the mountain after trekking for several hours winding across and slowly up the hillsides the group made camp for the night the evening was velvet dark alex writes the air was sweet with the scent of night flowers and filled with an orchestra of cicadas and tree frogs far off in the forest i heard the whippoorwill trill of a nightjar somewhere out there close by a jaguar was padding through the trees she knew we were there 
We'd seen her footprints in the mud on the trail next to the river as we walked up. We smelled her acrid feline musk in the air. But jaguars steer clear of people, even on the flanks of Brazil's Aracá, the wildest, remotest mountain in the tropics. So I never saw the jaguar. Perhaps it was the trance lullaby of cicadas and tree frogs, with a tinkle of water dripping off Aracá. But I eventually fell peacefully asleep. Now, when you're on the trail, you can't see the mountain. You see it from the river. I remember the first sight of it. It was extraordinary as we go up the river in the launch and these sheer cliffs in front of us. I thought, how are we going to get up that? It's just no way we can get up that. But the path, it winds round the flanks, cutting up over the rocky terrain. And then you're walking up through a steep fissure in the cliff face. And it's pretty extraordinary. There's waterfalls everywhere. There are some bits where you have to scramble. There are bits when you have to pull yourself up a bit on a rope. But the sense of achievement you get when you get to the top of this mountain, you're standing on top of this cliff and all you can see in every direction, as far as your eyes will take you, is green forest with rain clouds over in the distance and rain falling on patches of the forest and winding rivers and below you eagles and macaws flying and floating on the thermals. It's pretty amazing. And then you start on the trail on the mountain top and there are orchids everywhere and carnivorous plants and you feel like you're walking in a place that human beings have barely ever been. And you are. The Amazon is the ancestral home to one million indigenous people from more than 400 tribes, each with their own distinct language, knowledge, and culture. And the truly amazing thing is some of those tribes have still never made contact with the outside world. There are people living in the Amazon today who have absolutely no idea of the universe beyond the trees. That's how vast it is. If it was a country, it would be the ninth largest in the world, and most of it is still undiscovered. We know less about the canopy of the Amazon rainforest than the bottom of the ocean floor. Most people's experience of the Amazon is going to a jungle lodge for a couple of nights or getting on a boat for a few nights and doing a little circuit from a central point, usually in Brazil or Peru or Ecuador or whatever. And Sarah was saying to me, no, that's not what the Amazon's about at all. In fact, that's crazy. It's like going to the United States and, you know, wandering around outside the airport. Forget it. The Amazon is about these astonishing, beautiful, magical landscapes where wildlife live and where indigenous people have lived for tens of thousands of years. I am going to make a company that's my dream, he said, that takes people to this Amazon, to the real place, the place that we, indigenous people, know and love. So when I got to Araka and saw the waterfalls dripping off its side, it was the realization that everything he had said was true. When Alex had pictured going deep into the Amazon, he says he had pictured green, dense foliage with snakes everywhere and sweat and leeches. But he didn't see a single leech. What he saw 
were cliffs with misting waterfalls plunging from their sides. He saw mountaintop plains piled high with tangled orchids. He saw, he writes, not some green hell, but the Garden of Eden. One of the other reasons Sarah wants to bring people to Araka now is because the Amazon is under threat. Of course it's under threat. And it's never been more under threat in Brazil. That's why it's so important that people go there. When you're on top of that mountain and you look out over all of that forest and this immensity of wild, it's so uplifting. It's absolutely unbelievable. You feel like you've been taken back to the beginning of the world. And one of the key reasons Sarah wants people to go there now is so they realize what is to be lost if the Amazon is destroyed. This astonishing, beautiful Garden of Eden landscape is under threat. And it's people like him who are taking people into the Amazon that are gonna help to ensure that it is preserved. Because although much of the route up to Aracan Mountain is in protected areas, those protected areas are not looked at by the Brazilian authorities if people don't think that they are of economic worth. So ecotourism can really help these landscapes. This is Saro's home. It's Jose's home. It's the home for all of these people. And they're sharing their home with the people who go to Araka with them. And it is quite deliberate on Saro's part that people should feel they're welcome in his home because he wants people to feel it's their home too. That way, there's more of a chance of it being saved and protected. The more people that love it, the more people that value it, the more that the world will know about it and the more it will be protected. Thank you so much, Alex, for sharing your beautiful words and your experience from this paradise. I've always wanted to see the Amazon, and now I know exactly how I'm going to do it. And preferably under the guidance of sorrow. How good does it sound to sip caipirinhas in your pajamas? And you can actually do that. You can book this exact trip and others with Saro right now. Just go to aracaexpeditions.com. That's A-R-A-C-A expeditions.com. We'll have that in the show notes as well. As a reminder, you can follow Alex on Instagram at Alex Robinson Photography or on Twitter at Alex Rob Photo. You can also find his writing in Wanderlust. Thank you again to them and check out their show for more great recommendations. Wanderlust off the page. So thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to share this show with your friends. Connect with us on Instagram at Armchair Explorer Podcast and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. It takes just a moment and it really does us a huge favor that helps us to keep making this show for you. And don't forget to visit aptpodcaststudios.com for more on their other shows as well. So until next time, keep seeking new perspectives, keep listening and keep your feet on the ground and your head in the clouds, because the more we look for wonder in the world, the more the wonder of the world becomes a part of who we are. Dare to be truly alive. This episode was produced by Armchair Productions. Find our other shows at armchair-productions.com. 
Armchair Explorer is a part of APT Podcast Studios. Jenny Allison wrote and produced the show along with me, and Charles Tyree did the audio editing and sound design. Our theme music was written by the artist Sweet Chap. I'm Aaron Miller. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.